What is up, everybody? Welcome back to First Down Rundown, where we give you a holistic view of the world of sports. Whether you're a casual fan or an avid fan, this is the place for you. We're your two hosts. I'm Hayden Vozar. He's Matt Vozar. Today is Wednesday, August 3rd. So that means that we're three days into August, and we've already got a lot of news coming out. The Deshaun Watson case is being appealed, and Paige Beckers tore her ACL, so she's not going to be playing this whole season, which is sad because she's only really going to play one season out of her three at UConn, and she's still going to be the first pick in the WNBA draft. So, yeah, that's some crazy news that's coming out now. But as you guys can see from the title, we're not going to be talking any exterior things or external things from our NCAA Doomsday series because today is our final episode, episode four. We've got some solutions that we're going to give you guys. We promised you guys in the last episode that we're going to kind of come up with our own solutions that we think are best for the NCAA and basically college athletics in general in the future. So we're going to be giving those today. And yeah, this is going to be our final episode of this stretch. This is not going to be our, I can imagine this is not going to be our final NCAA Doomsday series forever because there's going to be a lot of things that come up in the future that we're going to want to talk about. And so that'll be kind of an extension of this series. But today for now is our final episode of this of this little stretch over this over these past four weeks it's been fun but um but yeah we've we've got a really interesting episode today so be sure to stay tuned matt how are you that's right we are we're back in the lab we're actually in person together today um so that's fun and and makes things a a whole lot easier but i think it was it also is kind of the the right it's the right thing to do right to be to be here uh together obviously for this final episode And, and as hayden mentioned right we we did a lot of planning and prep and research for each of the other previous episodes. We're only doing one episode a week at this, you know, during this stretch because we're kind of putting a lot of work into this series. And then also we kind of want the episodes to line up in order so that you can kind of listen to them uh, more easily too if you're if you're listening in the future. Hello, future. But anyway, so yeah, so that's what we're here to do today. And as I mentioned, we had the previous three episodes to kind of outline what the problems are, right? Like who the NCAA is, what they're doing, what's their role in right now college athletics the future of college sports all that stuff then we kind of looked at you know where you know where the money's coming from whether that be to players coaches schools any of this stuff and then we last episode went into uh, a little bit more obviously kind of deeper into the money but but really kind of you know focusing on the on the universities at this point right and, and kind of what role they play in what could be you know the college of future of college sports uh, and so today we're kind of going to wrap everything up by just giving a few I think we got three or four possible cases for what college sports will look like in the future uh, and, there, and there's you know there's a lot of players well I gotta say role players there's obviously a lot of players because they're college athletes but players uh, in terms of you know entities organizations people universities all that stuff that are playing roles in what could be the future of college sports and and, and how that's all going to break down. So we're going to kind of give our, our predictions of what, you know, what we think could be coming. And and I think that we kind of got a good, a good breakdown of kind of attacking every angle here and, and really getting deeper into, uh, you know, what, what things could look like in the future. And obviously just to kind of preface all of this, the NCAA is still intact. The NCAA still will be intact for, for probably the next, I don't know, five to ten years um it, it nothing is going to happen in the next you know in the next year or so here uh just because you know if the ncaa does dissolve or, or something it would take a lot of job replacement it would take a lot of 
schools and, and everything coming together. And, and we'll get into that a little bit. But um, just kind of our predictions, because clearly, and everybody knows this, college sports are going to change. But, you know, who, who really knows what's going to happen? So that's kind of what we're here to do today in the, in the last episode of this miniseries. That's exactly right. And kind of just going off of what Matt said about filling new positions if the NCAA does dissolve. Mark Emmert, we know the the president of the NCAA right now, he is stepping down next year. So next summer, summer of 2023, I think it's June of 2023, officially he's going to be stepping down. So that's probably going to be the first big news that we get next, other than maybe some schools, some more schools moving conferences and stuff like that coming up here soon. But yeah, the next big news is probably going to be next summer when Mike Emmert st- steps down and then they're going to have to obviously announce a new president or somebody who's going to step into some kind of new leadership role. Um, so that'll be that'll definitely be where you'll see some kind of continuation of this series. But like Matt said, we've uh, we've we, you know, we've got a great episode today. So let's hop right into it. So the tough reality of it is that there are some things that we practically can't change. So obviously today we're going to be giving solutions and and things that we would change and that we think will change. And obviously we're going to be giving some, you know, some places that some pieces will fall into and that some pieces will fall out of. Um, But there are some things that we just know won't change and because, you know, there, there's no way that they could actually be changed in the future in reality. So a couple of those examples would be things like these gargantuan TV deals that we've been talking about. Um, you know, obviously how much money the coaches are getting paid. The, the amount of money that is being put into the college athletics is only going to grow. So you're not really going to see a decrease in that. So why would they pay coaches less at this point? You know, so again, we're, we're talking we were talking about how that's not really a good thing or how it can lead to how it's led to lots of controversy, but it's not going to change. So that's another example of something that won't change. Um, And then obviously the general culture that feeds into college athletics, kind of like the school scene, which we both agree is a very good thing and should be maintained. That's not going to change. So that's, you know, that's just kind of some examples of things that we're not really here to say, okay, well, let's just create a amateur professional league that, has nothing to do with schools and the schools won't even have sports teams anymore. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's not what we're here to say. We're here to give actual realistic things that could happen. So what we are here to try to change is the way that college athletics, that college athletes are treated, you know, where some of this money goes to that the NCAA seems to be pouring into places that stray pretty far away from pretty far away from the actual sport or its athletes. And what do you know? Maybe some of this will even simplify things, especially if there's no, you know, weird mediator like the NCAA is or stands to be as of now. So again, this is, you know, this is just kind of some overview that, um, that, that, or some commentary that we're giving, but it's definitely commentary that we think could actually happen in the future. And what do you know? One of our, one of our, uh, one of our solutions might be heard by someone somewhere and, uh, and might be actually made into a thing in the future. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I'm going to let Matt go ahead and, and give his one of his solutions first. It's kind of going to be a little pattern deal here where Matt goes and then I go and then Matt goes again and then I go again. I think we both have two and they're I think they're pretty different. You guys are going to be pretty surprised at, at how we came up with these. We didn't notify each other of what our solutions were before this episode. So literally what each of us is saying is going to be new to the other person 
as we say it. Just as new as it's going to be to you guys, it's going to be new as a, new to us. So, with that being said, I'm going to let Matt go ahead first here. And, um, yeah, Matt, take it away. Uh-oh. Stinky. Okay, actually, scratch that. Uh, Matt and I just did a little deliberating. A little brainstorming. A little, yeah, a little, little brainstorming, a little... Um, assembly line and we uh we decided that i'm gonna go first because one of the one that i came or one of the ones that i came up with is actually the most likely to happen so here we go the most likely solution here that i've come up with and that i think is gonna happen is one that's kind of already playing out with the sec and the big 10 right now and that's the whole super league type deal quote unquote it would make sense that if the ncaa dissolves the conferences would too at least conferences as we know them now, but we theoretically could still have conferences, but they would instead be more like leagues and would obviously be named something different than SEC and Big Ten if the NCAA were to actually dissolve. Now, the only problem I see with this situation is sports beginning to drift too far away from the school scene. As Matt and I have said in the past, we think that it's great that essentially the sports scene and and college athletics being at schools that's actually what brings most of the money in to the schools. So I honestly think that it would be pretty dumb to create almost like a like an amateur G League type deal, but for all sports and obviously not just basketball. So I think that that would, again, an, a, a completely separate amateur league would not be feasible because I don't think the schools would actually let that happen because that would that would make them lose so much money. And again, there would be, I mean, what would take over at, at at sport, I mean, at schools instead of college athletics, like you know, you have intramural sports, which are like really not serious types of sports where it's just anybody can play. But then those would obviously grow into more of like a competitive type deal if college athletics were to actually leave schools. And so it's one of those things where you can't make a decision and be confident in it, and then it brings up a lot of problems in the future. So like this is this is a perfect example. It's it's NIL with the NCAA. The, the NCAA instated NIL and thought, "Okay, this is going to be great. This is going to solve a lot of our problems for not paying the players and for people getting mad at us because of that." But there have been a lot of controversies and a lot of new things that the NCAA probably didn't even think about with NIL that are now arising and are now becoming controversial right so creating an amateur g league for football or whatever like that that's totally separate from schools it would do nothing because again taking college athletics away from schools is only gonna is is, is really only gonna invite more competition to arise in the future at those schools because again you're not gonna i mean it's sports are sports are like they're always going to be a thing and it's it's actually kind of interesting that sports have become so much more money related than other things like theater and stuff like think think about um think about if you're going to if you're going to college for theater right like you don't you don't think of we don't have NIL we don't have an NCAA for theater but it's kind of the same thing it's 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 an entertainment business and if you're going to school for it, well, you don't really go to school for football, but like it's one of those things that's kind of extracurricular that you do outside of school. You're still affiliated with the school, but again, college athletics has blown up so much and there's so much money coming into it that this is the reason why everybody is like freaking out about the NCAA and and how they treat their athletes and how they've handled the money situation. Now, this could be a situation where the NCAA, the NCAA actually does survive, but instead of staying close with the schools themselves, the NCAA would have to 
pretty much distance or separate themselves almost completely from the schools and become almost like an NFL type deal where they are they're like not really a nonprofit anymore. They're more of like a trade association. So this is a little uh, this is a little fun fact for you. Back in 2015, the NFL actually moved from being a legal nonprofit to what's called a trade association where it's 32 teams and it's 32 parts, I guess is basically where all the money is is flowing but it's but it's flowing right it's not it's not just like going to someone and and being stationary and you're you don't really have like a you know a big safe that's just accumulating money because that would be more like a profit um, profit organization and before they were a nonprofit but now they're a trade association because technically I guess you could say that they're like you know they're making money in some way again we are we don't have law degrees so we don't really know where or what is going where but um but i do think that if the ncaa does survive in this situation they'll be they'll become more of like a more of like a trade association type deal they won't be a non-profit anymore because again it's so hard to keep the name non-profit and be handling so much money like if you think about it if you think about any non-profit organization in the world i bet you the ncaa is the biggest and handles the most money so yeah that's my first solution again it was, it was a little bit there's a lot of things that I'm unsure about because I I haven't gotten to think a lot about it but um but over the past week I have I have come up with this and I do think that it's it's probably the most the most accurate and the most possible um and we wanted to start off the episode with something that can actually happen and something that's most likely to happen but um but we're going to get we're going to get some uh some sticky answers here in a second so Matt go ahead with your second solution well yeah just, I mean I'm we can also kind of comment on each other yeah, I'm, I'm going to you know talk a little bit about it. You're right. It, that's where it looks like things are going. The SEC is expanding. The Big Ten is expanding. And the key part to, to kind of pay attention to here is that these conferences are expanding not in their own territory, but in different territories throughout the rest of the country, right? So so you have the Big Ten actually have already, and, and this was a you know a little little bit ago, but they added Maryland, right? They took Maryland from the ACC and, and, and Maryland moved to the Big Ten. And really, if you think about it, the Big Ten, Ohio State, Michigan, Illinois, all these teams that are, you know, in the in the northern Midwest of the United States, and really not west of that or east of that or south of that, you added Maryland, and it's like, where are we going here, right? But the idea is for the Big Ten, obviously as a as a as a conference in college football, they're they're they care about a you know adding the most teams and making the most com- you know competition that they possibly can but also making the most money because that's obviously the goal of any sports affiliated thing um and and so really you think about it and you add if you add maryland right okay not everybody is a huge maryland terrapins fan not everybody went to maryland but that whole dc market right the dmv uh you know dc maryland virginia you're at least going to gain some exposure to that because your players are going to be traveling down there. Your recruits are going to be traveling there. So all of that stuff goes back into the Big Ten kind of, you know, expanding its territory. Now, the SEC has done the same thing, essentially, in adding Texas and Oklahoma. The SEC stands for Southeastern Conference. You know, you have any anywhere from, you know, kind of the the floor obviously you know university of florida is is in the uh, is in the sec and then you have all the way far west as texas a&m who actually joined the the sec in like i think it was like 2012 or something so they're relatively new uh, anyway but at the same time texas you know Ver- university of texas texas longhorns as well as oklahoma um have been powerhouse historic college pro college football programs forever right and so those 
brands, those towns and people and recruits and everything that I was saying before, then move to the SEC. And so everything is associated with the SEC, who's in the, you know, further Midwest than just the southeast southeastern states of the United States. So that's kind of what all of this goes into, right? And then you even think about the Big Ten recently, most recently acquiring UCLA and USC, which will take effect in a few years. That's a whole West Coast market that now the Big Ten has secured, right? Because USC and UCLA are, you know, they're still affiliated with the school, so they're going to stay in LA, right? But that's in California. The Big Ten isn't even close to anywhere near California. The furthest west they go is like Iowa, right? Or, or Nebraska, I guess, wherever those states are, because I'm not exactly sure. But that's like only halfway through the United States. You get to all the way west, and now you have, you know, Minnesota's going to be traveling to UCLA on a Thursday night in November, right? Like, okay, cool. That sounds a little weird, but you think about the impact impact that that can have on like large scale on both the conference and the schools that are going to be playing in those games it really does kind of make a difference when you think about how big this thing could possibly get so i definitely agree with what hayden was saying last thing i'll say before i go to my uh my solution is is greg sankey right he's the commissioner of the sec he actually read a book about the premier league the english premier league the soccer league and has completely actually like formulate, formulated his whole plans for like what football can be. And obviously he is kind of the most powerful figure in the director of football, college football, you know, kind of space right now because he's the commissioner of the SEC, which has the best teams in college football and has the most money and power and everything like that. Um, he actually wants, or at least sees, or I don't know, I haven't exactly like listened to any interviews. I kind of just heard this and read articles about it, but he almost wants to mimic the way that the Premier League runs in terms of you have, you know, your 20 teams that are in the Premier League, you have, you know, you play your season and then the two or three teams that are at the bottom of the league, they get relegated and the teams that are at the top of the lower leagues, which we kind of already have, you think about it, right? You have the Power Five conferences and then you have the Group of Five conferences, you know, so the Conference USA or the Sun Belt, those are teams that are located in the Southeastern United States, which is the same as the SEC. If they combine into one conference and they have 20 teams, right? And then you have the SEC, which is kind of the big leagues and they also have 20 teams. And then, you know, Every year you kind of have like, you know, Vanderbilt or whatever is, is always going to do badly. Well, you know, since they're being paid a lot of money right now through TV deals and everything else to just stay in the SEC, they're taking up, they're making a lot of money, but they're not necessarily have any motivation to compete because they don't really, they know that they're not ever going to be able to beat Alabama, right? So something like that, where now Vanderbilt is, you know, the, the pressure's on, buddy. Like you got to compete here and actually try to win or else you're going to be relegated and not make as much money. So that's kind of where... At least I think his vision is for it, but I think that because what Hayden said about kind of you have the SEC, you have the Big Ten, there's two major conferences who have kind of, you know, risen above the of, above the rest, that I think can kind of create some sort of league, and I think that's what Hayden was getting at. And you think about it, and even in the NFL, right, and really most sports, you have the AFC and you have the NFC. In the NBA, you have the East and you have the West. Uh, you know, in, in baseball, you have the AL and you have the NL. So it's almost like these two conferences, which they literally are, right, because you think about it, like AFC is a conference, the NFC is a conference in the nfl right the big 10 and the sec they're both conferences so it almost the terminology almost even already matches so i think that's kind of the cool part about what we're getting at here and in terms of and again it's going to change a lot of stuff and may change some stuff for worse and then may change stuff some stuff for better but i think that's kind of at least the general idea of, of what we're trying to attack here so i'm going to now move into my uh kind of theory which hayden mentioned a little bit of uh prior but there's always a circumstance that the U that the ncaa actually survives this whole thing because really there's nobody to regulate any of the nil deals and conference realignment and everything else that's going on because you think about it 
yes, the law allowed college athletes to profit off of their, their name, image, and likeness, but that's all they said. They stopped at that. They said, okay, great, you guys can do it. Bye-bye, right? They didn't say, like, you know, okay, there's a limit, right? There's a cap on how much you can make. There's a, there's a you know, the limit or a, um, like a mandatory amount of money that you have to spread back to the school or to other players or whatever. There's nothing around this. And I think that's where the NCAA can kind of come in and save the day here, uh, you know, to be honest. And, and so that's kind of, you know, kind of where, where we might be headed, but, you know, who knows? Um, and so the NCAA really serves and has served uh, as the governing body of college athletics for the better part of a century now. Um, and, and they haven't survived that long just, you know, because they're incompetent, right? Like these people know what they're doing. They provide the entertainment. They spend all the money. Money on March Madness, they make it, and you know, they make it the exciting thing that it is. And, and you know, they obviously rule over college football, and that has grown too. Um, but I think that kind of where you end up in the weeds a little bit is that the prevailing argument is, is that while yes, it's true that the NCAA has survived and, and they've you know done so rather competently, their mere existence potentially has significantly hindered the growth and expansion of college sports, and and, and that is kind of where you get into kind of the NCAA, the biggest argument for it kind of being dissolved is the fact that like, we are just now seeing with NIL and these TV deals and these coaches getting paid so much money and the schools making so much money off of ticket revenue and everything like that. You see the potential that college sports has always had. And you think about what has the governing body done to support the amount of money and the fandom and the culture and everything that Hayden was talking about too, with being in, you know, being part of the school and, 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 you know, fans going to the games or, you know, wanting to watch their teams from, you know, from thousands of miles away. If, if you're able to jump all into that, right, and be all in on, on whatever you want to do in terms of how much money you're going to make and, and, and giving some back to the players. And there, again, there's a, a multitude of situations here where you can kind of find solutions to this stuff. But the NCAA has not gotten into that at all. And again, it, it's tough. They're put in a tough situation because they're a nonprofit, right? They don't want to end up being like the judicial branch of the, you know, governing body of college sports. But at the same time, we're entering into a period where you need something like that. And I think that's where the NCAA can come in and kind of just provide some sort of regulation, some sort of, you know, set of rules. And it doesn't just have to be NIL, right? It can be, okay, you know, the schools are making this much money. They should be designated to give this much money to the players, right? Or how, however else, I can't think of any other, you know, ideas off the top of my head. But there's, there's you know, however many things that, that need to be kind of figured out. Now that NIL, NIL is just kind of running rampant in, in the streets and, and obviously these bigger schools are, are piling together their, their boosters and whoever, they can else, whoever else they can come up with to pay these kids millions and millions of dollars. Well, sure, that's fine. They can be paid their worth, but there could also be some sort of regulatory brand here that's at least saying, here's what you can do, here's what you can't do. Um, and I think if you really think about it, like Hayden was talking about the NFL, right, and the NBA and all these other professional sports leagues – they have all of this already figured out. And, and to be honest, like, if you think about the NCAA, like, or I guess, let's just think about it this way. Like, you know, Hayden said, right, the, the NFL is a, is, a, is a trade commission. The 32 entities, which are the teams, are kind of all the cash is flowing through them. And the NFL kind of stipulates what's, what's here and what's not. You know, they have the CBA and all that stuff. Well, perfect example, Deshaun Watson, right? Like, you know, that whole thing is going on with the court case and, you know, the judge for the NFL, there's literally a judge appointed by the NFL to determine what the suspension is going to be. And then the NFL goes back and looks at it and rules it. Like there's like a, literally a court case and like 
branded by the NFL. It's kind of crazy, right? But you think about it, that's what needed to happen. So in this type of case, why can't the NCAA just hire some hire some people with law degrees and just set up a court somewhere? And, you know, if any of this ends up happening, then fine. But I think the one limitation to this aspect of what we're talking about here is the fact that, yes, with a professional sports league like the NFL, you only have 32 teams. Well, you yeah, you have 32 teams, and that's pretty much all it is. And you have a limited amount of players on those teams. You have a limited amount of, you know, front office people and general managers and all that stuff in college football especially well college sports in general but especially college football and basketball there's 131 teams in college football right now division one that's just division one there's a whole fcs division which has like 100 more teams okay college basketball in division one there's 358 division one college basketball teams so if you do end up creating some sort of governing body where you know there is a judicial system to go along with it or you know or or a person like roger goodell who kind of you know says yes or no to all this stuff that could be helpful but it would have to be some sort of elevated league kind of like what me and Hayden were talking about and that's where I'm kind of blending these two together a little bit if the SEC and the Big Ten are going to be these you know branded conferences that now kind of are creating their own, own leagues the NCAA could maybe be in charge of them but it, I it's just it's going to be too tough for and we even talked about this in, in a in an earlier episode as well there, there's too much to govern and too few people to do that. Um, so the NCAA would have to grow a lot. It would have to get into kind of all the areas of the, um, you know, the United States. It would have to partner with the conferences. And there would be a lot of work that goes into it. It could happen. We just don't know exactly the limitations on it. And that's also part of this is kind of just, you know, it's, it's also a little bit of a mystery as to like, you know what even teams will be considered d1 you know going forward and stuff like that so there there is a there is potential at least for the ncaa to kind of stay here and and make itself uh some sort of regulatory body that governs the schools and the conferences but what does that look like and that's the that's kind of the toughest part to figure out here yeah i i think that that's perfectly right and and one of the things that keeps on coming to mind after matt has given his little spiel here is the fact that the NCAA, yeah, they have so much to govern. They have so much to worry about. It's almost like the NCAA being a thing, and like I, I said this at the beginning in part of my, or as part of my intro, is that the NCAA almost complicates things. Like I, I think without the NCAA, or if the NCAA were to kind of simplify itself, it would have to move away from caring so or from dealing so much with the schools themselves because again you're dealing with 131 schools in in division 1 football and 358 schools in in uh division 1 basketball it, it's it's way too much to deal with if you're trying you know you're kind of taking too much or you're, you're taking uh what is it you're biting off too much you're biting off more than you can chew that's what it is i, I had a little brain fart but uh but yeah yeah that's essentially what the NCAA is doing right now and and so i think that part of what Matt was trying to say is like there's definitely a chance that they do stay I mean this is probably also the second most likely thing to happen is that they do stay the NCAA does stay the the governing body of college athletics because they have been for so long but they're they're gonna have to change something about what they govern what they're in charge of and kind of go from there and and and, and again kind of part of my thing is you know they're going to have to let the whole nonprofit thing go because again then you got to spend you got to you got to basically lay out where you're spending all of your money because you're a nonprofit orga- organization you're not supposed to be making any profit so you have to it, it almost complicates them things for them too because right they have to lay this whole entire blueprint plan out of where they're spending their money 
But it's like if you just name yourself a trade a trade association like the NFL, the NFL doesn't really have to do that. They kind of they can just be like, okay, yeah, we have these teams that we're governing. The NCAA could be like, okay, well, we're in charge of the conferences, but the conferences are the ones that deal directly with the schools. They could say something like that, right? Um, again, it, it's it's probably going to be something deeper than that, but that's kind of a start to what the NCAA could do to kind of make things less complicated and simplify things for both themselves and for the schools in terms of in terms of possibly paying players and everything like that. So um, yeah, that that's a that's a good second solution there. Now the third solution and my my second and final solution here that I'm going to give um, is more. It's it's a little bit more complicated and it's actually something that I that I uh, mentioned briefly and previous episodes, but it's basically the idea of removing athletic scholarships from schools completely. Like nobody gives athletic scholarships out and instead you compensate players by paying them. And I, I gave a little bit of a, um, I gave a little bit of a layout of what that would look like in our money episode. I think it was episode two of the series. So if you haven't listened to that, go ahead and give it a listen. Um, because I talk about what the average, football player and what the average basketball player would be making if the NCAA were more like a an NFL or an or, or an NBA where they give around 50% of the revenue to the players and little sneak peek for you into into episode 2 if you haven't listened and if you you know this is kind of just to save you the time of going back and finding this answer but if you haven't listened to episode 2 the average uh, college football player would be making around three hundred thousand a year if they were given fifty percent of the revenue, um, and if that was split equally among all players. And you're talking in the millions if it's not split equally, equally, and if if it's based on you know the best players bringing in the most revenue. So obviously they're get, they're getting the most pay. Um, it's it gets up there in the millions for quarterbacks and wide receivers and all that. So you know obviously that that's crazy to think about, but I do think that removing scholarships and paying players would be a lot better because, again, a lot of people would make the argument, okay, well, these athletes are going to school for free, so there's a reason not to pay them. Right, well, they're not having to pay, what, you know, an average of like 30, maybe 40K a year. Dude, they're going to be making so much more than that if they're being paid and if they're being compensated justly. So, um, obviously, this can mean a lot of things, and it would take a lot of time to figure out but I do believe that it's possible. Now, there are two obvious pluses to this move. And there's a third plus that I'm going to give, but it's kind of more obscure. So the first two obvious ones are, one, you're able to give more scholarship money to students who oftentimes have worked just as hard in the classroom to get to where they are in college. And honest, if we're being honest, right now, it's really only the absolute wizards that are getting academic scholarships to go to school. Um, so obviously giving, allotting more money to go out to students that have worked their butts off in high school and middle, even middle school at this point, you know, colleges are looking at middle schools too, I've heard. But, um, but giving more money to those kids that have worked really hard in the, in the classroom as well, that's always a plus, you know, taking that scholarship money away from athletes and obviously paying athletes as they should be from game revenue and ticket revenue and everything like that, that would make it more fair for the players. And it would also make it more fair for more fair for students coming in to, uh, to, to actually go to the university university and learn and continue their, um, you know, their academic ec- excellence, as we would say, Matt and I are, are, are both kids that you know, would have loved to get uh, scholarship money from a school like UVA, but we didn't. And I'm not saying that it's the it's the 
it's the school's fault for giving it to giving it to athletes. But again, you know, maybe we could have gotten some scholarship money if it if not so much of it was going to athletes and if athletes were actually paid justly um, in terms of in terms of the revenue that they're generating. So that's the first obvious plus to this move. The second one would be that players are being obviously just uh, justly compensated for their services. And maybe we could even see a move to more of a collective bargaining agreement like we see in the NFL and the NBA. Um, and we can move to a, a more kind of CBA type deal with the schools paying 50% of the revenue to the players that are bringing in that revenue. Right. It, it just, it makes sense. I think that like, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's kind of like a, it's kind of an, uh, I don't know. It, it may not be an obvious deal here but in my head it makes sense it's like if you're taking scholarship money away from players and you're moving it to students it's a win-win type deal for them because again the players are going to be paying are getting going to be getting paid based on the revenue that they generate and right we're going to we're going to see the NCAA or the schools moving to more of a collective bargaining agreement type deal where we see in the NFL and the NBA you know we should use the NFL and the NBA as models for what college sports should look like at this point because they're bringing so much revenue in and there's so much money flowing around college sports at this point. Now, the third reason it would be that it would it, basically it would save lots of people, lots of stress and lots of time. And basically what I'm trying to say is that a lot of schools wouldn't have to worry about academic infringement instances that we've seen in the past. Now, the 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 first, you know, glaring one that comes to mind is the whole UNC basketball. Th- I think it was it was like, I don't know, it was it was either over a couple years or something like that. But I think there was like 10 UNC basketball players that got they basically got busted for um, faking their grades. They I, I don't know, they either like failed all their classes or failed a lot of their classes. I think they were actually making up classes. That was the thing. And it was like they were getting good grades because it was like scuba diving. Oh, like, yeah. And it's like, yeah. they're never going to go scuba diving in their life. They're not going to actually do it while they're, you know, it's like basket weaving. Yeah, underwater drum, basket weaving. Yeah, yeah, drums and stuff. And it's like, you're. they were completely fabricating, like, the criteria, the, you know, material of the class, all the tests and all that. And they were getting good grades. And, and obviously, because UNC is a very prolific academic institution. And so you want to uphold that. And that was kind of why this was such a big deal. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. Thanks, Matt, for doing that. But, um, but yeah, essentially, you, you wouldn't have to worry about that because – with these, you know, with these athletes not essentially not really going to school, you wouldn't have to worry about academic infringement policies and you wouldn't have to worry about getting a bunch of tutors for the team to travel with the team and, and, and teach to teach the athletes. So what does that bring me into next? And what does that kind of hint at? Yes, that would mean that the athletes essentially would not attend university. They wouldn't go to class. They wouldn't take classes unless they wanted to. And in, in that case, they would have to pay for it. But obviously, if they're making $300,000 a year on average, they can pay that 40000 to go to school. And it's, you know, oh, you, you got 260000 now in your pocket. That's a, you know, big whoop. But yeah, essentially, what I'm trying to say is that athletes at this point would not really, they wouldn't go to school, but they could pay for school if they wanted to. Now, again, you might say like, you know, you might get nitpicky and say, oh, well, you know, what if half the team is going to classes and the other half isn't and the other half is working harder at the sport than the athletes that go to class? Well, that's just something that you got to deal with. Right. They're not they're by no means forced to take classes. But those kids that do want to continue their education and get a degree, they can do that while playing sports. Again, that might 
come at the expense of them playing their sport and of them, you know, kind of getting better at their sport. And so we would probably see the athletes that don't go to school, they would probably succeed more and they would probably be, you know, probably be the starters in this situation. But everybody kind of goes their own way with things. And so I think that in the grand scheme of things, this would be this this wouldn't be too too shabby of a thing to happen. Now, in this case, you might be thinking, okay, well, what happens to the NCAA and, and conferences and everything? Conferences would be the main governing bodies in this case and was would essentially all be an equal amount of teams and divided up by competitiveness. So if say you got 131 teams of division one, 131 division one college football teams, you would essentially have 10 conferences. Okay. Just let's just say 10 conferences because there are 10 conferences right now. So there would be about 13 teams in each conference because there's just an equal amount of teams in every conference, but there obviously would be the, you know, the best conferences and, and, and the, worst conferences essentially and teams would play inside inside their conference and then sometimes out of their conference like they do now it would kind of be the same schedule type deal with um with how teams play in conference and out of conference but um but yeah i think that conferences should probably stay equal amount of teams based on competitiveness obviously the alabamas and the georgias of the world they would be at the top conference and the non-competitive teams would be at the at the bottom conferences but um that's kind of the overview of my of my second solution and again i think this is more of a fun solution because it's more intricate it has more detail um and it's it's kind of one that is outside of the box but i do definitely think that it can happen matt what do you think i i love it i think that was some really good stuff right there and i think there are so many kind of levels to to what you presented there that and you kind of backed yourself up on all the arguments that you did make. I'm going to, I'm going to kind of focus in on, on two parts of this one, which is actually, I think realistic and, and, and will happen is that a lot of the money. Cause again, with the little scholarship thing, you don't know what the endowments are set for. And if there's, you know, scholarships that are already, you know, set, and that's just a part of the budget for each of the universities as they enter into the year, you know, or showing change over the years, every time. The one thing that can be redistributed and and I think actually will happen is the coaches' salaries. Okay, we just heard last week, well, maybe two weeks ago at this point, Kirby Smart, coach of Georgia, won the national championship last year, signed in like 2016, I think, for a five, seven year, six or seven year deal or whatever, signed his new contract. Okay, he's making over $10 million every year for the next 10 years. So a 10 year, $100 million contract, that's a lot of money, guys. All right. Now I understand he's a good coach. He's recruiting. He won a national championship. He brought football back to Georgia. I get it. Okay. But he doesn't deserve all that, right? Because he's not sure he's doing the recruiting and he's hiring his own coaches and he's giving them peps speeches in at halftime. But like the players are the guys who are playing the game, right? That Georgia defense is historic. It is going to go down as probably the best defense to ever play. And 10 of those 11 guys got drafted this past year in the NFL. That's because the players were so good, right? So I think that we're going to see as we continue to kind of have an emphasis on the players, right? Being the, 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 you know, pieces who are earning the revenue, whether that be for the NCAA or the schools, I think that there is going to be kind of a bright light here, which is, all right, look, the coaches are doing well. And also I meant to, I meant to mention this earlier, that 10 year, hundred dollar, hundred million dollar contract for Kirby Smart is actually like, I think he's making more than I think like 28 of the 32 NFL coaches, which is, I mean, that's crazy right now. Obviously the school has more money to pay because it's kind of just 
an unlimited, right? Because you, you, the boosters have like all these billionaires that are behind all these programs are just throwing money into it. Like that kind of all goes into this. But at the same time, I think that because there's going to be a lot of emphasis on the athletes, I think eventually, rightly so, they will be able to at least get some of the money that the coaches are being paid. And I think that'll actually happen or, you know, be happening pretty soon. Obviously, they'll probably have to go through the players becoming employees of the university, all that stuff. Which kind of brings me to the second part of what Hayden said, which I want to focus on a little bit. Seriously, imagine a world in which kind of, I guess this would necessitate the league, the conferences kind of becoming in a league of some sort or whatever, but that the teams of the schools are disassociated with the schools and that the players aren't going to school, but like the school still owns the team, right? So that's kind of the cool part about this is like, it's a whole sports league that's just going on and, and, and surviving and existing outside of the realm of quote unquote, you know, strict academics, but still the, the, you know, the, the kids who do go to these schools and go to these colleges and, and pay their tuition or get scholarships academically, like whatever it may be, that's their team, right? So you, they go to that school and they get to root for that school and, and they, the, the, you know, basketball and the football team that they have. And so that's kind of the other cool part about this is like, you know, you may not see a football player on your campus because they're not going to be necessarily going to your school, but heck, I mean, and Hayden mentioned it too, like even after those players are done playing their four years in college or whatever it may be, and they're not good enough to go to the NFL or go pro in whatever sport they're playing, they pl- have plenty of money to pay for their own college, right? Get a degree and then go do something else. So I think that's almost like a crazy scenario that could actually happen, but like it is so it is so much higher level than like what we're dealing with right now, but is weirdly enough, it, it could it could be true. Yeah, and and that's kind of what I was going for, like the whole perfect world situation with having athletes being paid and have them still be a part of the university and I guess like Matt said kind of employees of the university. But at the same time, you're keeping that, you know, even even if these athletes aren't actually taking classes and going to school, you're keeping that college athletics type scene at the school where kids that go kids that do go to the school, they can still be a fan of their team and everything like that. They can still be a fan of their school that are competing in, the in, you know, in these athletics. And so I think that's kind of what I was going for when I said the whole, you know, they're not completely separate from the school, but they don't have to go to class and don't, they don't have to receive scholarship money because again, all this money could be kind of relocated and you could have kind of a perfect world in, in, in this case. Yeah, for sure. All right. So I'm going to dive into my uh, second solution, which is kind of the fourth uh, and final one of the, of the episode here. I know we're going a little bit long, but what if there is a third, a third party entity that could kind of just enter the scene and become a governing body of college sports so similar to what the ncaa is doing right now but basically just a different version right and obviously it would require a lot of money and a lot of planning and organization and everything that the ncaa really doesn't have right now but it's possible and the i think the one kind of example that i have to pull back on here is phenomena or a organization company whatever it may be um called the knight commission so it's spelled k-n-i-t-e uh, the Knight Commission. Actually, look this up because this is crazy, and it's actually, and and the reason I'm kind of you know getting goosebumps here is like, this was like I think four or five years ago. I I was legit. This was legit like 2017 or 2018. I was like just starting. I just graduated high school. I'm now like two years out of college. Okay, when I heard about this thing called the Knight Commission, I looked it up and I'm like reading about it. Essentially, they foresaw all of this coming, and and 
this, and I, I don't know who is involved with this or whatever. It, it's probably dissolved at this point. But the idea was the Knight Commission was to basically just pull the sports leagues, or the sorry, pull the sports teams from the NCAA over to this, I guess it would have to be some sort of def, defined as a league, but like basically just a group of teams that would all play each other similar to what we have right now, but basically just no laws, right? So the sports teams of these universities are making all the money and they're making all the decisions. And it would have really, I probably end up, you know, I think becoming some sort of league because they would have, you know, established a salary cap and, and you know, you're paying certain contracts to certain players or, or whatever it may be. But I, I think that's kind of the, probably the least likely to happen kind of solution that we've given here today. But I just want to throw it out there, especially because like, there's this thing that's been out there for, for literally years and years, and I read about it at first, and I was like, this doesn't make any sense. Like, how would this – because that back then was kind of the prime time, like, NCA was really going well. It was ruling everything. There were no problems with what, you know, what people were saying in terms of, oh, the players should make money or, you know, be paid by the schools or whatever it may be. And the Knight Commission just came out and was like, look, this is – and seriously, I like – maybe this is just my – I'm just kind of having a personal moment, I think, on the podcast right now. I literally – and because now it's actually coming back to me. I was legit, like, again, like I said, probably six years ago at this point. Obviously, you know, you get – you know, you sign up for your Bleacher Report, ESPN, your, your notifications whenever something happens, right? Now, I love the ESPN – and I don't know which settings I have it set to because I, well, I probably – I pretty much have every single sport and every single news thing, you know, pop up on my phone. But one of them – somehow triggers messages that don't have a title or a sport associated with them. Cause you know, you, you know what I'm talking about? Like, right. Like when it's like yeah. an NFL or an NBA MLB thing, it'll be like NFL colon Deshaun Watson suspended six games. Right. Yeah. Or it'll be like breaking news. Juan Soto traded to the Padres, like that type of stuff, uh, you know, associated with the MLB. And there's like a bold title and everything, but there's some ESPN notifications that come without a title, without a sport associated with it. And those are always the most interesting. I swear <laughs> to God, because it's like, it'll be like the craziest stories. It'll be like, <laughs> like, okay, there was one of them actually the other day. I think it was like there. And you probably have read about, or you might've read about this, but probably not. Cause it was kind of a, it was kind of a, a, a crazy story. There's apparently some in like group of like, Indian guys who live in India who were basically like coming up with and rigging in a cricket league, but convincing all these Russian guys to bet on the league. And there was absolutely nothing to bet on, but they were like completely fixing all the matches and just taking these guys money. That's the type of, and that like came up my phone. I'm like, Oh my God. Like there's, there's so much behind these like small notifications that probably nobody gets or nobody pays attention to. Anyway, my point with all this is being, is that that was what happened with the Knight Commission thing. Again, like six years ago, I'm like grinding homework at like 2 a.m. in my dorm room. And I see this thing come up on my phone. And it's like Knight Commission, uh, you know, tr tries to establish itself as a brand of college football beyond the NCAA or something. I was like, what does this even mean? Because, again, back then, it is what it is, right? And so I read more into it. And I was like, this is still really confusing. And it's so crazy because now it's all just kind of coming to fruition. And I'm like... If these guys were five years later on this, it might actually be a huge thing. But, yeah, so that's kind of my, my, I guess, throwaway little funny thing at the end of the podcast here. But overall, I mean, it, it yeah, I don't think it's likely that some random organization is going to come out of the blue and be like, oh, we're going to 
take all the schools because the con- again the conferences are so powerful now, and I don't think we realize the extent to which the conferences actually do a lot for the schools. We think about the NCAA like being, and I think kind of you, you know if you, if you don't know much about college sports, you think the NCAA is the NFL, right? You think that that's like the the you know they pay the money, they have the you know du- athletic directors in their pockets, and they're you know kind of manipulating everything behind the scenes. It's not really like that. It's really the NCAA is just kind of there to, to, to make sure nothing goes badly and, and put on the events. And the schools themselves are obviously very wealthy and, and make a lot of money, but the, com- the conferences are the ones that are striking the TV deals. The, the conferences are the ones that are hosting these, you know, big championship games and, and, and everything like that. And, you know, even in basketball, right, college basketball, you have the college, the, the conference tournaments, and it's always, you know, which team is going to make a run and then go into the NCAA tournament and, you know, steal a bid that otherwise would have gone to some other team, right? So you, you kind of understand, but it's like, I think that's really, and that's what we're seeing, I think, happen. And, and Hayden obviously covered that in his first solution here was like, it seems like, to some extent, the conferences are going to become leagues at some point. And, and they even call, are called, if you listen to sports radio or podcasts or whatever, or even, you know, read ESPN from time to time, like, you've probably at some point heard the conferences referred to as leagues already. And I think in the bylaws or some depths of some articles that they are, you know, organizational coming up with documents that they've established or whatever, there's probably some definition in there that, that has league or something. So it, it kind of already is what it is. And obviously, like I said earlier, you have conferences, like you have conferences in, in the, you know, in the NBA and the NFL and all that stuff. So it, it is super interesting though. And I think obviously, as I, as I said before too, is there's a long time until any of this actually becomes solidified, solidified, right? Um, there's a long time before the NCA kind of dissolves. If it does at all, it may not. Um, there's a long time before even even the conference realignment stuff. So like Oklahoma and SEC, or sorry, Oklahoma and Texas are not moving to the SEC until 2025, guys. We're in 2022. Like, we're talking about this like it's happening tomorrow, yeah. and there's still three more years of Oklahoma and Texas being in the Big 12. So it, there's a lot to come. College football playoff, same thing. Everybody's like, oh, we're moving to 16-team college football playoff thing. And it's like, well, yeah, but the contract is through 2025 or 2024 or something like that. It's like there's still going to be multiple years of four-team college football playoffs to come. And so, right, so all of this is, is very macro-level, big-picture stuff. But super interesting. I think it is. And, and I'm really happy of kind of how the way that – Obviously, we put this whole series together and, and how it, you know, how it came together, um, especially with this last episode. I think we had a lot of fun with it, and I think it was a really good summary of kind of everything that we talked about, you know, all the arguments, all the points that we made, and, and then just kind of thinking outside the box, right? Again, Hayden kind of, we were joking before the episode started about, like, you know, I was I didn't really do much research for this episode. Was I supposed to? And I was like, no, like, that's that was the point for us to just think outside the box. We've already done all the research. Let's just put our heads to it and, and see what we can, can, can come up with. And I think we did a great job. Yeah, that's completely right. I'm uh, I'm very happy with how this episode came out. Well, this whole series in general. But I was actually telling Matt yesterday. I I texted him and I was. This was actually while I was coming up with a couple of my solutions last night. You know, I was burning that midnight oil and I was just I was just typing. You know, typing away. And again, I didn't do any research for any of this. So everything that you heard today, other I guess other than the night commission that Matt mentioned. But again, that was just kind of an example of what he was trying to say. But everything that you heard on this episode is our ideas. Like we didn't, obviously the research that we did in past episodes, I have, uh, like I was giving credit to, you know, to articles that I read and everything like that. But this whole episode was completely our own thoughts and that's how we wanted it to be. We didn't really want to take from other sources and kind of just add on to what we've read, what we've read outside of this. Um, we wanted this com- to be completely authentic and from 
from the dome of of the Vozar brothers. So that's uh, that's how it was. That's how we gave it to you, and we're happy to do that. Uh, yeah, it was uh, it was it was a really cool thing to do. Honestly, I'm gonna be. This is gonna be something that I tell my kids about. No, I'm kidding. No, but this is gonna be something that I'm gonna be like really proud of in the future. So I, I was actually texting Matt yesterday, and I um and and this was kind of while I was I was typing everything up last night. But yeah, I, I texted him and I was like, dude, literally, if if I'm ever in a job interview or some kind of interview where some higher up person is is interviewing me and asking me questions and one of the questions is something along the lines of like what's a project that you've done or what's just something that you've done that you're really proud of I'm literally gonna tell them to go on Apple Podcasts and tell them to look up First Found Rundown and listen to episodes what is this 60 through 64 or 61 through 64 um, and let tell them to listen to this to this NCAA Doomsday series. Now, this is basically four hours of, of podcasts that you're going to have to listen to, um, to listen to the whole, this whole like segment, I guess. But right, this is, this is something that I'm really proud of and that I'm definitely going to take into the future with me and kind of brag about almost. But um, this is also something that I'm probably going to use for future French papers. If you guys didn't know, I'm actually, I, I'm double majoring in media studies with a focus in sports media and um, French. And so French is my second major in, in college just because I was kind of already pretty advanced coming out of high school. So it wouldn't take much to, to do the major in in college. And so that's what I'm doing. I'm just I'm, I'm doing French as my second major. And in a lot of my French classes, we have to basically just write papers like we just write five page five page papers on basically anything we want to write about. Um, that's a very common thing that we do in a lot of my French classes. And so if I'm being honest, like if I have a final paper or something like that and I need to write a five page paper on whatever, on like whatever comes to mind, I'm literally going to do this. I'm going to write. Now, it's going to be tough because there's a lot of terminology that we've been using this episode that I haven't even really been able to wrap my head around in English, much less French. So um, so it's going to be. Yeah, it's, it's going to be tough to do that. But uh, but this is definitely going to be something that I like I said, very proud of and that I'm going to use in the future for whatever I can use it for. Right. So really good episode today. Really good series in general. And that you get, you guys know what that means. Uh, preseason is starting, I think this coming weekend. So yeah, Thursday. Yeah. It starts wait tomorrow, August 4th. Yeah. So, uh, first preseason game is tomorrow. That's crazy, dude. I haven't even, that just hit me. Honestly, I haven't even thought about that until now, but yeah. So we're going to have preseason to talk about. We're going to be Hopefully going back to um, two episodes per week again with this last stretch of summer. Well, actually, next week we're going to be on vacation, so we won't have an episode at all next week. So the next time you'll hear from us is probably going to be like mid-August-ish. Um, so, yeah, we, we won't be on here for a good week and a half, possibly, actually probably two weeks. But, yeah, that's going to be when you're going to hear from us next, and it's going to be Pretty much all football, unless again, unless there's some crazy news with other sports, which there probably won't be. Um, it's gonna be it's gonna be mostly football, and we're gonna be talking a bunch of preseason, and it's gonna be it's gonna be great because football is indeed back, and it's gonna be the start of season three once the regular season starts. So, pretty much right of right at the beginning of September, it's gonna be start of season three of First Down Rundown, and you already know what that means, baby. It's a new year, new us. We're gonna be bringing some more things to the table, hopefully uh, just getting better as, as time goes on. I think we have been already, and 
Hopefully season three will be just as fun as season two has been. Now it's time for us to sign off. Um, if you guys have listened all the way to this point, we love you because that's a lot of listening that you've done. And yeah, hope you guys enjoyed the series. Hope you guys enjoyed this episode and we'll catch you in a couple weeks.